Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. On this Palm Sunday morning, it's one week before Easter. I want to put something in your ear. And I'm going to give you to Wednesday to make up your mind. A grandmother is out of work this week most of the people are out this week so I'm going to give you the opportunity to tell me what you would like to do Uh, we're going to have our communion service on Wednesday morning that's going to be the time of the Lord's Supper and festivities of that nature. Uh, now, normally we move that to Thursday, but we can keep it at Wednesday this morning if that works for you. The other piece of business that I want to discuss with you is on Friday. If you would like to get up for a prayer moment, uh, we did the walk on yesterday. I would, uh, uh, we'll talk about that in a few moments. But if you would like to get up on Friday and do something around the noon hour, a moment of prayer, we could either do that here on the phone. For the Good Friday service. And then Saturday. Or Saturday. Whatever you would prefer. We can have a sunset service. Or a middle service or something in there. So I'm throwing out ideas for you. Because I know it will be difficult to get you up on Sunday morning. There is. Uh, a tradition that we had before COVID that we got up on Sunday morning, Easter, and we had a, a service. Now it's a little bit challenging because we have become a little bit more scattered since uh, those days. And so I recognize that, and I do not want to do something that can potentially mean that somebody will get missed. And so I want to put that in your ear and give you to Wednesday to discuss it. And we'll circle around the horn and see how you feel about it. Uh, My thing is, and I will just put this out there, that maybe it's a little bit too soon to uh, try to move you. Uh, You may not have uh, enough time to get your mind together. If that's uh, a thing, then that's fine. We could definitely utilize the line and work towards doing something late in the summer. I also don't know what the weather's going to be like to put you outside. It may be a little chilly, so that might be a factor. So we'll take all that into consideration. And uh, by Wednesday, we will decide what the 
the festivities would look like down the road for Easter. Does that work for anybody uh, on the line so far? Praise the Lord. All right, all right, all yeah. right. Yeah, so we'll talk about that later. Uh, secondly, I want to appreciate everybody who came out to the walk on on yesterday. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful that uh, you, you participated and showed up. And even those who uh, showed up emotionally because your situation circumstances could not, you know, get you there. That is definitely fine. Uh, and I ask you to, uh, to uh, keep those types of events in your prayers. Uh, uh, we had a wonderful walk, a wonderful experience, uh, but and we look forward to doing another event of that nature come May 14. So we're going to try to get out and walk at least once a month. Uh, again, that's that's uh, for the people who are able to do that. If, if you are not, we're trying to figure out how to do other things besides having you on the line. Uh, but we do recognize, like I said, that there's some who have become conditioned to this line, and, and, and rightfully so, it's, it's benefit beneficiary for your needs to do this, so we don't want to do too much on Sunday, but we'll do events uh, other days of the week, and if you can make it out, that's great. If not, your Sunday and Wednesday will remain intact so that uh, you don't feel left out here. But May 14th is, a, is another opportunity for us to to get up and come walk and exercise and we will talk about that further on down the road also in your prayers today I believe it's been come it has come out and uh, I would like to uh, uh, warn you that this is going to be very triggering for some people but the reports have come out that they believe that young Cody has now left this earth. And uh, so the reaction to that, the prayers for that is is definitely needed. Those who uh, are feeling whatever they're feeling, and I say that because we, at least I still do not know what is going on as it pertains to who's involved, who's responsible, whatever the case may be, all the details that are not in front of me. But I do know that that is a terrible situation and and that requires, or the best thing I believe for all of us to do is to take that to our morning prayer. And, uh, a lot to put on the prayer list this morning, but I'm going to limit it to these next few comments. Uh, our last school board meeting it lasted until 1.30 a.m. this past weekend. This past week, excuse me. And the reason why it did so is because there is some stress over 
faculty uh, resources, whether that's teacher pay or bus driver, same. And so the recent budget, as they tell me, is very laughable. And it's stirring up some stress within the city. So please keep our teachers in our prayers and, and not only keep them in your prayers, but if there's opportunities to support them. I, I do know that there are some opportunities to support and speak out on their behalf as they're trying to renegotiate the budget uh, for our school system. And uh, the same with the down with the city of Norfolk Council that there are some stress going on down there as it pertains to uh, again this is going to be very triggering but this is just a reality by which we're living in that in the budget there's been some school cuts and most of those school cuts are in our neighborhood so what they want to do is they want to close all our schools and merge all of our kids over in the other side of town and you know the, the, the question that some would say well uh, if you want to talk about integration because that is the reason why they're doing that they're saying that well we need to have more integrated school systems well, one person presented the argument that if you're going to talk about that then why don't you bring some of your children into a strange land instead of forcing our kids to constantly have to go into strange territories and lands or what have you. So there's a lot to that. We can definitely have a, a conversation about that and get more details later, but I, I just want to hit you with the, the fine bullet points during your time of prayer. And this is my final point. I had a major mad enough, but it's enough to sing it to the officer. Uh, there'll be a change in our police system. The chief of police is leaving and retire or is retiring. And uh, so please keep that situation in prayer. There's a lot of shady business going on in this. And there's no point to get mad and fussing and cussing because that ain't going to do you no good. Don't nobody care about the fact you're mad anyway. But what they do care about, or what they have to care about, whether they know it or not, is that there's a creator that sits high and looks low. And if you cast all your cares on him, that he is capable of taking care of you. That's what I got to tell myself when I want to take a cuss. So I hope that you take all these things and you go tell the Lord how bad y'all. Mama Bell is going to going to play for us. Yeah, I was hoping that mm-hmm, because I got to leave here. You ready? You ready? Yeah, Mama Bell is going to play, and while she's playing, we will uh, take a few moments and meditate and pray in our own way. Over those days, we just discussed.
As we consider this morning uh, our time of prayer, uh, one thing that I would like to for us to consider is the prayer that has been commonly prayed in various circles. And sometimes I believe, as I said, that the Catholics and the Episcopals and the Presbyterians and all those fine folks in some cases got it right because they knew that there were certain aspects that they could not touch. They did not know your personal business. And sometimes when in our other reformations, we like to try to hit everybody but I believe that that focus should be left to teach us how to pray for ourselves. But there are those times of, of corporate prayer, the things that affect us all as a community. And so I would like to take a few moments and ask that we join our thoughts, our hearts, as I said earlier, for our communities. Oh, God, make speed to save us. Oh, Lord, make haste to help us. Glory to the Father and the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us for our acts. The parts of our world, the effects of saying that are our responsibility. Help us to see our role in the world both good and negative and how we can make contributions moving forward to either continue or rectify how the generations to come may witness the goodness of your love through the testimony of our living. This is our prayer. And those in agreement with that prayer respond with a howdy. Amen. 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 And now we have our moment of intercessory prayer. That's a time when we can have a more deep conversation with our Creator. Our beloved Pastor Booth will assist us in that. Then afterwards, we will have a few moments for your personal time with the Lord. 
We ask that you again consider all those things that we have discussed this morning. Please keep those uh, not in your pocket to gossip. I'm going to tell you, ain't going to do nothing to get your blood pressure up. Ain't nobody going to care. The one thing, and I'm going to say this like this, and, I'm, and then we're going to go pray, but I really want to point this out to you. We are said to get angry, and it hurts us. And eventually, once our blood pressure is sky high, and we have been taken out because of all of the ailments that that high blood pressure causes, those same people going to do that same stupid stuff once we go. So that's why you take it to the Lord in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Let's do that right now, if you don't mind. Gracious eternal God, our Father, we honor you this morning. We praise you with if your name. We do thank you for waking us up this morning and clothing us in our right mind, giving us the activities of our limbs and the articulation of our speech. We thank you, Lord God, because you are our God. It is in you that we put our trust. Yes, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for giving us this day our daily bread. We thank you, God, that we could trust you when we can't trust no one else. Yes, Lord. We honor you, Lord God, for Honor us with the knowledge, even to know who you are. And, Father, we thank you, Lord God, for knowing us and knowing us by our name. Thank you for taking personal care upon us. (laughs) Thank you for looking out for us when we couldn't look out for ourselves and protecting us when we couldn't protect ourselves. Thank you, Lord, because, yea, though we walk through this valley of shadows of death, we shall fear no evil, for you are with us. Yes, you are. You are our rod and our staff. You comfort us all the days of our lives. Yes, Lord. And, Father, we thank you because we do dwell in that place, Lord. Jesus, hallelujah. We thank you for allowing us to dwell in that secret place, the secret place that you have made. Thank you for hiding us in your pavilion. Yes, yes. Thank you, you, Lord God, because you are a great God. Yes, you are. The humble shall hear thereof and be made glad. Hmm. We thank you, Lord God, because you never left us nor you forsake us. Never, never. We thank you, Lord God, because you promised, you said you're going away to prepare a place for us. And if you go away to prepare a place for us, you are coming again to us and receive us unto yourself and where you are. We may be also. In your father's house, you said there are many mansions. And we thank you, Lord God, for preparing a place for us, even now even in the presence of our enemies. We honor you, Lord God. You're a great God, and we praise you. Thank you for our families. 
Thank you for our children. Thank you for our siblings. Thank you for the journey that you have been with us, that you didn't leave us out there all alone. Thank you for never leaving us alone. Never, never. Thank you, Lord God, even when it felt like we was alone and when we looked around and couldn't find nobody else. God, we discovered that you was right there the whole time. Yes. God, there were some days as I got some war wounds. <laughs> and every wound that I have have a story, but I thank God even in that story, God. Thank you, Jesus. I got a victory report, Lord. And Father, we come and we intercede, Lord God, for the things and the matters that concern us. This world concerning others, we pray, Lord God, that you would just continue to stretch forth your nearest God hand, Lord God, your hand of providence, and get in situations, Lord God, that is that is upon this earth, Lord God, we understand that there are wickedness in the land, Lord God, there are many body counts, Lord God, and. And each and every day we see people disrespecting one another and trying to play God and taking other people's lives, Lord. Father, but we come to you. We say, Lord God, we lift it up to you. We lift up every city in the Hampton Roads area. We lift up every city in the United States of the States of America. We lift up these streets, Lord. Father, we just pray, God, that you would just move by your power. We pray that the minds of the people will receive your word. And, God, they will receive it with gladness, Lord God. They will come back, Lord God, and and declare who you are in Jesus' name. Father, we pray, Lord God, that the crime rate will go down, Lord. That the misery of those children that are living without parents because of their misbehavior or the the decision of making wrong choices. Father, we just pray, God, that you would just intervene. Father, we just pray, God, that you would just touch their hearts. Cause them, Lord God, to rethink, to think before even. They do something, Lord, that will cause them to be openly made ashamed. Jesus. But I thank you, Lord God, that even though some have done that and already have made mistakes, you are a forgiving God. Your arms are stretched wide open to receive whomsoever will. God, we thank you that they will come. They will come. They will come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Father, we pray for those who we have placed, that, that that we have elected into office to do different duties and have the best interest of us in their heart. We pray, God, that when they have to make a vote or present a bill, I pray, God, that you would use them, Lord God, that you would, they will allow you to smear, your, uh, uh, to smear your anointing and blessings upon it. Lord God, before they even present it to the committees, that they were pres- before they even present it to the government, the House, or whatever, Lord God, we just pray, God, Lord God, that you will put people into place, Lord God, that have a heart for you, 
They have a heart for people, have a deep desire to serve those who can't serve themselves and have a voice for those who can't don't have a voice to say anything. Oh, Father, we thank you. We praise you for that, Lord God, because we need you this day and time. We have leaders, Lord God, feel it is their right and obligations to go into another man's country to literally destroy his villages and his towns and his cities. Father, we pray for the spirit of David to rise up upon Ukraine and cause him to slay that giant of Russia in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord God, that you will look upon those millions of people, Lord God, are looking and running for their lives and have hidden themselves in holes and and hidden themselves in places just to survive. We pray, God, that you will hear their prayers and hear their calls. Hear, Lord God, their cry as we they cry out in desperation for help, Lord. Hear their cry. Father, you said you you won't turn their back. You won't turn your back on your people. And I pray in Jesus' name as they call upon you, God, that you will turn, Lord God, the heart of the wickedness of Putin and all of his men in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you, Lord. God, we thank you this morning because you've given uh, past our word, Lord God, that will bring forth uh, surgery to us in our hearts. Bless him. Bless him as he deliver it with fire and let it demonstrate healing to our bodies. And we thank you for it. We come to the time of prayer where you could pray. You could talk to the Lord for yourself. I'm sure I didn't make it uh, this far by just praying for others. It was times like this where I could talk to the Lord myself, and that's what, uh, and that's where we are now. I know I didn't say everything that I need to say as concerning you, but you know, and you could talk to God yourself. And at this time, we utilize a few moments just to talk to God and tell him all that you need him to tell him. He wants you to talk to him. He needs you to talk to him. Matter of fact, you need to talk to him. Let's go to the Lord. Let's go now. Thank 
Oh, bless me now, my Savior. We come to be. We need the old. We need the every hour. We need the oh bless me now. Our Savior, we come to Amen and Amen. John. Okay. John. I'm going to get to what John is. Excuse me. John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 12. We're going to skip through here. Verse 12 says, The next day, when the large crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming, to Jerusalem, they took palm branches and went out to meet him. Verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first. Then, verse 19, but when the Pharisees saw it, they said, to one another you see you've accomplished nothing look the world has gone after him <coughs> I want to talk to you this morning uh, triumph trouble and treason triumph trouble and treason and all those in agreement with the word respond with a holiday amen There are various moments in Christendom or in religion, for that matter, that are very important uh, to those individual 
sectors. The Jews are very passionate about Passover. The uh, Protestants are very passionate about Easter and Christmas. The Muslims are very passionate about their journey to Mecca. The Buddhists have their times. We all have these moments where we focus ourselves, we prepare ourselves. And the thing that, that fascinates me a lot when I think about church, and it seems that I uh, spend a lot of time on this tangent, is that uh, I question, I ask, I uh, sometimes like to take a straw poll to say, do you really know why you came here? Do you really know the significance, the, the true meaning? Do you really know what your mission statement was for coming? I've heard in my life and, and seen same where people would spend their time leaving the job on Friday around about the 5 o'clock hour, and they would head down to the local establishment. And they would down one bottle after another. And they would get completely trashed on Saturday. But they would get up on Sunday and go to church. It was tradition. It was ritualistic. I must go to church. I, I'm going to get in the choir. I'm going to usher on the usher board. I'm going to participate in whatever activities that I have to. I'm going to all the functions. You know, black folks got functions. But the question that has always puzzled me, and, and it's one of those questions that, at least around our church, and I'm, I'm glad that we could talk like this today. We don't have too many people of uh, other persuasions joining us this morning. So we can talk like we're home. The thing that always puzzled me is to the person that is looking at this from the outside that has their binoculars over across the street at the apartment and they're watching at the door as the people come in with the very peculiar attire on. Especially around the New Year's Eve hour. where either there is the transition from or to happening on the way or from the club, they'll stop by the church. It's very fascinating. 
fascinating to me. Where did you come here for? And I'm not one to try to tell people not to come to church, and I don't wish to utilize this as some type of damning uh, conversation. But it is almost to me like a person who walks into a grocery store hungry from one side to the other and then never fully gets filled because he doesn't know that where he is, everything is there for him. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many. And so the fear that I have is not what most people would have. Most would look at this conversation and they would take it in a different direction. And I know what that different direction is, and you know it too. Because everybody's a sinner. Everybody is hellbound. And so the approach, the, the position would be, well, if you're going down there to the club, then what you're coming here for? You ain't supposed to be coming here. If you're going to come here, you're going to come here and do it like God tell you to do. But what is that? What is that idea, that overarching God told us to do? Because just because we have spent countless times and hours underneath of the building or inside of the building that is underneath of the big steeple, just because we've been down there doesn't mean we got it. There's a lot of things that has been missed from those of us who hang around the church. But I'm going to get to that in a second. Because the first part of this conversation I would like to address is the fact that most of us have missed a very key point. In our churches, though the people were at the club, though they were participating in activities that might be a little bit against the scriptures, they found a way, they found a necessity somewhere inside of their uh, extracurricular activities that required them or that forced them or that convinced them that going over to the church was important. Even in the sinless or the sinful life style, as most would argue. They recognize the importance of going to church. But why? Most look at this point in time, this Palm Sunday, and, and it's very traditionalistic where we come in with our palms and we throw it down and 
And literally, I've been in church almost 40 years, and I've seen them throw palms down. Nobody told me why. They just messed up the carpet. But then you read the text. And in reading the text, it said, when they heard he was coming, it wasn't about ritualistic. It wasn't about tradition. It was about a crowd of people who wanted to be in the presence of a man who had done so much for them and their people. This man had raised their dead folk. This man had opened the eyes of their blind folk. This man had healed their sick folk. This man had forgiven their sinful folk. They were coming in an act of appreciation. And I wonder, sometimes, When the people come, is it understood that they know that they are not necessarily up to par, that they know that they're not necessarily living the life that they're supposed to, but despite their other choices, there is this recognition Some of them went to the club and they saw Johnny get taken out by the back dumpster and they realized that they made it in and they made it out one more time. We used to sing a song down at the church, you remember. Glad to be in the service. Do you know why I'm glad to be in the service? Because he didn't have to let me live. But he did, so I'm glad to be in the service. Those songs that they sung, those uh, lyrics presented an argument, it presented a case that some of us came again out of recognition that this particular person, this God, this Jesus that is supposed to be the centerpiece of this meeting we're having, has done so much for me. And so they came. They came and they supported They showed their love and their appreciation, not knowing the other thing that is very, very fascinating that I believe that we, as later readers of the scriptures, biblical scholars, same, have afforded, we have the opportunity 
there was a reading or a writing at some other point in time in the Bible, you can definitely check it out, as some of you may already know. But you've read somewhere or definitely heard of saying where the earlier people didn't have. Moses didn't have this experience. Joshua didn't have this. But there are things that we have. There's understandings and truths that we have that the early folks were not privy to. So they didn't know that they were spending their time fulfilling the prophecy. You have to understand, or at least I would like to consider you to, that between that prophecy, the prophet Isaiah, and this moment in time, sat some half a millennia. Between Malachi and Matthew, you understand, it has been argued that it's some 400 years of silence between God and man. And that's just between the conclusion of the Old Testament and the genesis of the New, there's also a huge period of time that rest between Malachi and Isaiah. So you're talking about a generation of people who knew not of Isaiah. There are certain parts of your life that sometimes you'll sit down and somebody will remember and you, it takes you a minute. You got to turn your head and squint your face because you don't remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember going down there. I remember doing that. You can get in situations and in circumstances that even some of your greatest triumphs can be blotted out of your mind. Sometimes we can have moments of depression so great that it takes a minute to remind you just how good you are. And so these individuals spent their time coming, not because it was tradition to do. As a matter of fact, they had defined the tradition, which is another interesting conversation that I feel is not discussed a lot down at the church, that the bedrock of our faith, that the, the supreme rule of our faith, that the overarching, the whole concept of this thing called Christianity was formulated on a rebel. person who defied not the laws of God, but the laws of society. Why else would the people want him dead? 
You don't kill someone who's in your line. You kill someone who's doing something that you don't like. And so the question became that has, again, fascinated me, is when did the tide change? When did it become cool for the government and the church to collaborate together? When you obviously read that true believers cannot get along with a structure like this. The Bible says you cannot love God and man at the same time. Choose ye this day. Now, I'm not utilizing that as a reference point or as a uh, igniter for you to go down and start wailing on government officials or for you to have enemies amongst heads of state. No, that's not my point. But you and I both know you can agree to this, at least I would like to assume we can. I hope that assumption does not come back in the negative. But we can assume that many of us have experienced in our churches preachers and persons who connect with same who would rather be a part of the social structure than the kingdom structure. They'd rather be in with the mayor than with Jesus. I'll get to that in a second. Because we got some disciples here. And I feel that it's been very apparent in our communities that we beat up the preachers. We attack them because of their actions. But when we look, we recognize something very interesting, at least I did. You got these people who Jesus had called personally. He had an ordination service and anointed all of them personally. They were to go out to do his will and his work, and they were literally on the brink of their release into the community. It's kind of like a group of people, ministers at a church. Many of you may understand this. And they are under the tutelage of a pastor or a religious leader. And you look at that preacher that is headed up for ordination or headed up for uh, pastoral licensing or to uh, be burst out into a work, as they would say. And many of us would shake our heads because you look at him and go, that ball know what he's doing. Don't make no sense why he's going out there. They're going to put him out there in that church. You know that boy don't know what he's doing. 
And I don't know if that is a good argument to connect to this because it sounds as though that I am licensing and condoning putting preachers in position that are ill-qualified. But the question that I still ask is, was it recognized that these 12, literally all the way through the death, burial, and resurrection, which we don't want to jump ahead of ourselves, but they were clueless to what was going on. Even in this moment in time, they had no idea. And they had to process it. They had to go back and think. They had to journey back to elementary school, to Bible study or Sunday school class. They had to recall what the sacred scriptures had promised. So you got the people who all they know is this man who has done so much for them, and they emotionally at least cannot let go. I shall never let go his hand. He has done so much for me. I shall never let go his hand. That is the mentality of these individuals, which is fascinating. Because they weren't biblically smart. They probably couldn't lead an organization. They probably couldn't hold a position of any kind. But they had an appreciation. I must go back to that. Oh, what the world would look like if I thought process was more out of appreciation if we woke up every morning with a spirit of appreciation. I can do that. It may be weird, but I can pick my nose. I can turn my toes. I can walk. And even though I have various limitations and various circumstances, there have been tools and opportunities put around me to make my circumstances bearable. I have appreciated. What would have happened if everybody had that spirit of appreciation? And then I'm going to clean this up and then we'll move to my final point. 
want to go back to the preachers. Because you have this group of people who are following after Jesus, which, to be honest with me, or if I can be honest with you and with me, I cannot to this point find a reason why. Oh, we know about Peter. Peter came because he was out there all day fishing and couldn't catch anything, and then Jesus came by saying, oh, cash your debts over that. He's like a man that can do this. He deserves my time. But did Peter really get it? Absolutely not. Do you think if Peter really got it, there'd be a centurion with a cut off ear? Do you think if Peter really got it, there'd be a moment when he turned his back on his friend? Do you believe if they really got it? They would leave long before their leader had been slain. Where's the state funeral? At least we can have a state funeral where we put on all of our beautiful dresses and we stand upon the rostrum. And one of the people, whoever is the second in command, gets up and does the epitaph. We didn't get that. No. Where we sit now is one of the last moments we'll see these people. We'll talk about later why, but most importantly, it's explained right here. Because they just didn't get it. And I find it difficult to beat people up now because I recognize that there are a lot of folks down at church, both past and present who just don't get it. If you really got it, you wouldn't need to drink. Now, I'm not against the drinking. As a matter of fact, Brother Paul discusses it sometimes. Brother Timothy, go and get a little whiskey. Your stomach is hurting. The first occurrence of Jesus happened at a party when he decided or it was recognized or brought to his attention by his mother. Mama just walked over to Jesus, baby, the scotch is gone. I'm going to need you to take care of that. And there's nothing wrong with the drinking, but most of us go down, it's not us, at least not in this time. If you really got it, then the scotch would be more of a social occurrence and not a medication of pain. 
because you would find that your source of inspiration, your source of hope, was not at the bottom of a bottle of gin. It was not at the bottom of scotch. But your source of inspiration went down to the bottoms of the earth, kicked out the door to the the trap door that held death in. I'm getting ahead of myself about two weeks. But it all originates because we didn't get it. Then my final piece of business is I get prepared to get out your hat. You've been so kind to me. It's those who see their opportunities to control diminish. You have the people who are just fascinated by the opportunity to be in the presence of somebody who's done something for them. You have the disciples, the preachers, who really have no idea as to what the significance of this moment is. And then you have the other folks who's realized that they pay when there's closing. Yeah, the other folks who realize that if we don't do something about this Jesus, he didn't done something for the people. He actually cares about the people. And he has the ability, just because he cares, to turn them away from us. If we don't do something, the people are going to look to him instead of to us. It's the same playbook that has happened throughout the generations. Religious leaders and social leaders alike. President John F. Kennedy, when he got too powerful, what did they do? They put him down. Robert Kennedy, when he got too powerful, they put him down. Malcolm X, down. Martin Luther King, down. And those that they did not put a bullet through their head, they characterly, a character, assassinated them. Because if a person does something, to channel our power to threaten same the best option to do is to put him down I'm going to say something because I had the opportunity or I took the opportunity rather to go and listen to some old tapes from a preacher 
preacher by the name of Bishop Eddie Long. Many of you know that Eddie Long's or Bishop Long's uh, time in the sun was diminished by a humongous scandal that uh, alleged he had uh, moments with boys. That he had done some things sexually with them. And I don't know, I wasn't there, and I don't care. But here's what I do know. About six to eight months before this time occurred, this moment of political and social warfare, Bishop Long was working on a series of messages about distancing yourself from government support. He was talking about how black folks, can survive off of welfare, how black folks can build their own wealth, how we can work to create our own opportunities, how we can build our own communities, how we didn't need the system to support us anymore. And he was pulling folks by the thousands off of the system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is very ironic me, that the moment the groups of people that we share a connection with, the moment somebody does something to elevate them, oh, now he's sexually assaulting boys. Character assassination. We must do something about this man. So this morning as my dear grandmother prepares to come to pray for us, there's three points that I ask you to consider, if you will. The first point is, do you understand the significance of why you worship? Are you appreciative? Can you recall just over the last seven days And if you can recall just over the last seven days, later in the text it says, the people testified. They overcame. They got victory because of testimony service. I come to celebrate, but not only do I come to celebrate, but I come to testify. Girl, I know. You just put your hand in God's hand. He'll heal you like he healed me. 
if our telephone calls did not continuously ring out with it don't make no sense, but it constantly rung out with praise. I've been in conversation with folk who spend more time talking about the news than they do about the goodness of the Lord. What would happen? And then the second point is when you really and truly understand the mission that you've been called to. When you really understand the purpose that you've been given. Before I was formed in my mother's womb, before there was even a consummation of the moment, there was a board meeting. The chief architect sat down with his partners, his other persons. You say, that doesn't make sense. Well, it does, because the scripture said, let us. Us is plural. That means somebody else was involved. And out of there, he ordained us. And he gave us a mission statement, one that I believe many of us are still wandering in the wilderness trying to find who we are and why we were born. And then finally, understanding that there are forces out there who desire to strip us of our opportunities, who desire to keep us enslaved. Some of us are investing in people that mean us no good. We're spending our time and running our support behind folk who mean us no good. What if our eyes were open? Dear Father, may our eyes become open to see the people that you have for us. And may we not character or join in on the assassination of those who you have sent to help us just because it is beneficial to certain parties. May this Hosanna moment not just be because it's tradition, but because it's necessary. It is a time in this moment to see that just like God did it then, he is doing it now.
the Lord is blessing even right now. You may not be able to see what the Lord has done for me, but I assure you that the Lord is blessing me right now. My dear grandmother. Most holy and all wise Father, we come this morning to say thank you. We thank you, merciful Father, for all things, for those things, God, that we see and those things that we don't see. But, God, we praise you. And, God, we ask you right now, open up our eyes, take the blindness off our eyes that we may see. Help us to believe. Help our unbelief, God. Help us to trust you and knowing, oh God, that all power is in your hand. Help us to put our faith, our confidence in you, knowing, God, that you see it all, you hear it all, and you understand it all. Help us not to fear what man can do to us, but realize, God, that you you are in control of man, that you seize all things. Help us, oh God, to stand on right and righteousness. Help us not to compromise with the enemy, God. Help us, oh God, to be faithful to you, knowing that you are in every situation and knowing that you can work out everything. Help us to put our trust in you because, dear Jesus, we know that you saw it all. You came and you walked on this earth and you tasted it all so that we wouldn't have to go through what you went through, that you made it possible for us, God, that we could walk in love and in security and trust in you. We just thank you this morning, God. We praise you, God. Help our unbelief. Help our unbelief, God, because you know we see so much with our eyes in the natural. But God, help us to see in the spiritual that we might see you and understand that you are with us, that you're going to work out every situation. Help us to believe. Help us to be grateful. Help us to be grateful for the things that you have done, the things that you are doing, and the things that you have done. Help us always to remember from whence we have come. You brought us to this present time through danger, seen and unseen, heartaches, disappointments, But you was there all the time. Help us to always remember that you love us. Your love is so great that we can't even comprehend how much you love us. But we know you love us, and we said thank you. Bless us today. Help us to be grateful. Help us to praise your holy name. Help us, always, God, to always keep your name on our lips. Let others know how sweet you are and where you have brought us from, that you can care them too. We just thank you this morning. We praise you. Bless the message that has been come forth. Take this word and hide in our hearts, God, that we may not sin against you, that we might glorify you in every situation. We just thank you. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Have a great day. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Chief.